Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hi, it's Mike Powell. Welcome again to the uh, Veterinary Business Batters podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights. Uh, we're continuing with our theme of the COVID-19 Veterinary Resilience Guide. And this week, I'm joined by Oculus's own HR specialist, Katie Arterline. Welcome back, Katie. Thanks for having me, Mike. So today we're going to switch things up. Usually Katie and I get together every couple of weeks. We talk about HR. Uh, we talk about different articles. But today Katie and I were thinking, let's just flip things around a little bit and have Katie interview me or talk to me about my experience uh, running my own vet practice uh, during this pandemic and things I've done, learned, uh, screwed up, you know, the whole gamut. So Katie, I'm going to pass it over to you. Sounds great, Mike. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, so what precipitated my um, my thought process on sort of turning the tables and uh, putting Mike in the hot seat this morning is I came across this article um, in Fast Company by Tracy Brower called Five Predictions About How Coronavirus Will Change the Future of Work. And as I was reading through it, I was thinking uh, it'd be interesting to bounce some of these ideas off of you, Mike, uh, you know, as uh when you're wearing your hat as a business owner, as opposed to um, an Oculus owner, uh, and just see sort of, uh, you know, where you've come from and what you're thinking about for the future. So um, why don't you give us sort of just a really quick uh, rundown for those who don't know on um, your veterinary practice? Sure. So it's McKee Panel Equine Services. It's myself and I have two other partners. What makes our practice unique is we're in the greater Toronto area, and Toronto's a huge area. I mean, it's like eight, nine million people. It's a big metropolis. We have three locations, and each of them are about an hour apart from each other. Um, we have a total of 13 vets and 30 support staff. We have office managers in each location. We have a, a, a office manager leader group that we get together once a week. And we have for years just to sort of go over things. Uh, we have a central operations manager. Um, and it's what's been interesting since the COVID-19 is I have not been on site on any of our locations during work hours since March 10th. Yes, March 10th. So as we're coming up to, it's May 7th when we're recording this, it's almost two months since I have seen anybody that I work with. So why don't you talk about, you know, thinking about how you haven't been uh, in any of the offices in a couple of months. Uh, and I know McKee Panel is a, a, a practice that puts a, a lot of emphasis on communication. So can you talk about how you've bridged that gap without being able to be there in person for all this time? I think what happens is that we've had a very open and uh, system of communication that goes back to that we've always been a very flat organization, not at all hierarchical. Um, also, uh, the operations manager and the office managers have always had a lot of uh, leeway to do things without asking, you know, for permission from further on up. You know, we have a lot of trust in each other that they're going to make the right decisions. So it's not like I actually need to be on site 
all the time because we have such excellent people and our whole organization knows what our purpose is, our values, our culture. It's a very strong culture. So things carry on. And it's sometimes I kind of, you know, like, wow, um, I'm not really needed here. Uh, <laughs> but on a day-to-day basis, I'm not because we have such exceptional people. But what we've been doing is, you know, we use Slack, which if people don't know what Slack is, it's kind of like text messaging, but more in a structured way. And so, um, within this group we're able to instant message all the time so if somebody has a question or what have you we can you know somebody else can respond to it uh, the other thing is is that we have weekly if not uh, twice a week meetings where we discuss uh, things make sure we're up to speed um, when the pandemic was really at its infancy and really taking off and it was just so much uncertainty I was doing a daily email to everybody to sort of like, here's what's going on. Here's what we're doing. Uh, We've had a couple of company-wide conference calls when significant uh, changes were happening. You know, we had to reduce our hours, um, you know, so we had to talk about that as a group. Uh, We've had some forecasting of what our business needs to do. uh, And we've been very, very transparent in terms of this is where we are. This is what we need to do. This is the kind of sales we need to have back again before we can return to full-time hours. Uh, It's just, you know, a lot of communication, just a lot. Um, Absolutely. And the other, the other thing is, is that uh, every couple of days I, I set aside some time to just call random people from the organization. Um, this includes people that, you know, are off because um, they have family members that might be, um, have some predisposed health issues that can't come into work for fear of, of picking up the, the virus. So I'm just trying to touch base, talk to people, understand um, what their concerns are, make it an opportunity for them to ask any questions to me, just trying to make sure they, you know, that they're being thought of. Mm-hmm. And how have, um, you know, you, you are getting lots of feedback from staff uh, and how has, has their sort of mindset changed from the beginning of uh, the real initial COVID lockdown to where we are now about two months later? Yeah, I'd say so. It's interesting. I did a lot of phone calls earlier this week, so I have a pretty fresh perspective on this. When this first happened, everybody was just, I mean, we all were. We were just gobsmacked. We were just, we had no idea what was going on. So there was a lot of fear, a lot of uh, uncertainty, a lot of confusion. We, you know, there were uh, things being mandated by the government and we weren't really clear on it. And, and that's when I think a lot of communication, just trying to say, here's what we think is going on. This is what our plans are. This is what we're going to regroup on. And this is, you know, these are our plans. Now we, we sort of have now settled into, okay, we have a system. We have a bit of a groove. It's working. You know, we're, we're, we're an essential service where we are in Ontario, um, but only urgent care. So once we define what urgent care is, all right, we got a plan. And I think talking to people, even some of the people that maybe four, six, eight weeks ago were, you know, very apprehensive. It's like, no, you know what, got a groove going, figuring it out. It's it's working. Um, you know, everybody's still, you know, I think there's an underlying apprehension of what's going to happen to the general economy, their own health, health of family members, friends and what have you. But I think everybody's sort of like... All right, this is sort of our new weird normal, and we it, it's regular now, so we, we just can carry on. Absolutely. I think it really speaks to the adaptability of McKee Pommel, but I think also of uh, humans in general. You know, I mean, certainly... 
there are folks who are much worse off than we are in all of this. Uh, but, you know, as we're settling down into our new normal and we're thinking ahead to, you know, kind of semi-permanent changes that we'll need to make and how we um, socialize and how we conduct our business, I think uh, it's kind of struck me how amazing it is that humans are just like, okay, well, you know, this really was uh, very disruptive in the beginning and it's still quite disruptive and there's certainly lots of worries, but uh, we have the, such a... Um, a capacity for change and such a capacity for um, for adapting to our new circumstances. I, I thought it was kind of it's interesting. I was thinking about this. Yeah, you know, I think on a you know on a whole human evolution scale, you understand how we get through the ups and downs of of history. We you know it makes sense now, and this is one of these things where you're all thinking. Wow, I'm so glad my grandparents went through the depression or World War II or World War One because so we didn't have to. And then this shows up and we're like, okay, life carries on, history repeats itself, and inevitably we're, you know, generations, we're gonna face something. So and and we are adapting. And, and you know, of course, we all have, as you said, our own apprehensions, but I think, you know, the alternative is we just sort of curl into a little ball into a corner. And I think that, we, you know, I'm sure some of us would like to, I, I can guarantee you there has been times when I'm like, that would be a nice alternative, you know, <laughs> and just shut everything off. But, you know, we carry on and, and we know we have to, you know, we have responsibilities to each other, to ourselves, to our families, our friends. So we carry on. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny you say that, uh, it just brought to mind my, um, my husband's hundred year old grandmother, who's in, uh, a supportive care home, you know, independent living type supportive care home and talking to her about all of this, it's kind of like, yeah, well, you just wait until it's over. You know, she's been through so much in a hundred years. This is sort of just a blip for her. And of course mm-hmm. she took up, she took this opportunity to take up quilting at hundred years old, because why wouldn't we do that? So of it's, course, it's, that, that, it's, interesting um, perspective uh, to get to talk to her about this. And, uh, you know, certainly my mother-in-law is a lot more worried about it than, uh, than nanny is. So it's just an interesting aside. But, you know, the other thing, what, what, what shows to, to me and particularly in Canada, I can only speak, you know, from what I experience, what we're experiencing here is a large part of what you know, that has allowed us to have some adaptability, some security, what have you, is the very um, collaborative and supportive nature of other people. So as you know, we're an essential business, um, but we're a small business, our, our revenue has decreased dramatically. The amount of government support has been great. You know, right now the government is paying 75% of wages, pure subsidy up to, I think around 58,000. That's, you know, we've been able to keep everybody employed. We have to reduce some hours still, but everybody has been employed. And, and I think that has given us, and myself for sure, a lot of confidence. Um, and, you know, seeing our leaders, whether of our province or our country, speaking every day, giving updates, you know, and being very responsive quickly to the needs of small business owners and to the society at large. That, that's been huge. I mean, if we didn't have that wage subsidy, um, we'd be in big trouble. I mean, we would be having a different conversation because as I, I told our staff, I said, you know, if I look over, you know, when this all started, I sort of did projections for April, March, and excuse me, April, May, and June, you know, and just sort of assuming what revenue is. And I said, you know, if we have 80% of our hours, if we're working 80% of our hours, we all take a 20% uh, break on that, including our ourselves, the owners. Um, and we have that government subsidy, 
we can get through the next three months. We can get through several months. We're, we're okay. The long term or the medium term, we're fine. Um, I said, if, if revenue doesn't go up or we lose the government subsidy, then we're in trouble. And I said to people, I said, you know, if, if you know, over this three month period that I've done forecasts, we didn't have the government subsidy. I said, we would lose over $500,000. So thankfully we have that subsidy because otherwise, you know, it'd be, a, we'd be making some really, really tough business decisions and I'm glad we don't have to make them. And it looks like in the next couple of weeks, the restrictions on, on what we can do as veterinarians will be lifted. And, you know, the last few months, stables are, are have been closed. So we haven't been able, really been able to see many of our clients. So I kind of expect there's going to be some pent up demand. There should be some horse show season starting soon and horse racing's beginning. So I, th- I think a switch may be flicked in a couple of weeks and then it's everybody's going to be like, whoa. And then there'll be a whole new other set of challenges because as we're really busy, um, you know, trying to manage expectations because people will be like, well, why can't we all come back to hundred percent hours? Mm-hmm. You know, why can't we have the raises we should have had? We, you know, one thing I didn't mention is we had our whole employee review system in the spring before this happened and had given people saying, you know, starting on March 15th, this is what your raise will be. Well, we had to say at that point, no, we got to put all raises on hold. Sorry. And people got that, but you know, they, you know, as if we get busier and we get, if we return to our expected levels, um, people may be saying to us, well, you know, should we get our raise now or the bonuses for us working so hard or being frontline uh, people? And, I would love to, you know, hope that we can, we can do that, but you know, there's still so much financial uncertainty and we also have to prepare for next winter, you know, it's still May, but I'm already thinking about next winter because uh, we need to have the cash flow to get through our three slowest months. Like a lot of vet practices in our neck of the woods, you know, we, we lose a lot of money in the winter and we, you know, our three busiest months are April, May, and June. And a lot of the profitability that helps sustain us over the year is we, we capture it in these months. Well, we're not going to do that this year. And so mm-hmm. there's still some pretty tough financially uh, driven business decisions that we have to sort of balance with the benefit and the well-being of our, of our staff. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just sort of going back to what you were talking about at the beginning um, of this little section here, the collaboration uh, between, you know, our provincial, you know, in Canada, we have provinces, uh, which make up the country. So we have a leader of the province, the premier, the collaboration between the premier of the province and the prime minister, which is the head of our country. Um, I think in the initial stages, for me personally, it was really comforting to see that they could kind of put politics aside and just say, what do we need to get done? And um, how can we work together? And I, I've kind of, for me, and I think as a business owner, it must have been pretty comforting for you as well to see, okay, these guys can work together. We're not going to get bogged down in sort of um, petty politics here. They all are just are, are focused on um, trying to help uh, get the, the people of the country through this crisis. Yeah, no, there, I mean, we talk, we're talking about, you know, two different political parties and it's sort of like you know what we got to take care of our population we got to take care of society we got to take care of our economy uh, and, and we're going to do it based on science and we're going to work together and it has been refreshing because prior to this i mean uh if you would see our our prime minister the head of our country and the premier the head of our province in in a room together um working collegially 
um, March 11th, people would have said, no way would that happen. But wow, since this happened, everybody has come together. Partisanships has been put aside and let's just focus on one thing together. And it's been extremely pleasing. You know what? And I think it gives real motivation to the rest of the country because when certain politicians or other business leaders sort of drop into that partisan type politics mm-hmm. or, uh, or, you know, sort of bring up some, you know, bogus conspiracy figures, I mean, society and every other politician, regardless of party, just shuts them down. It's like, just don't go there. Like, why? Yeah. You know, that's, we'll focus on, you know, politics. Like we, well, politics will be, it's another industry. It'll come back again. But (laughs) right now we, our role is to take care of our society and they're doing a great job with that. Definitely. I think the, um, the appetite for that kind of partisanship, um, you know, sideshow that goes on is definitely very low. I know from, you know, it's kind of, it's uh, maybe not a direct uh, correlation or um, comparison, but, you know, on social media, I don't read comments right now on social media because it just makes me so angry and, you know, how the things that people focus on right now uh, that aren't, uh, that aren't things that are doing anything to make things better. I just don't have any appetite for that whatsoever. So uh, I think that's kind of how we're all feeling right now. And I appreciate that, um, you know, people have been able to sort of pull their socks up and work together. It just makes being a leader of, you know, a business leader of a small enterprise so much easier when everybody in, in society is sort of talking the same way. And it's not like we're all sort of going ahead, just like, you know, lemmings, followers, you know, just blind adherents. Um, you know, there's been a lot of transparency with our government in terms of these are the number of cases. This is how it's rising. This is what it's going to take. This is the data that we're looking at. And so I think that kind of transparency in our society is, you know, it's been, it's easier to echo it in your own business. I mean, that's something that we always did in our own business. Anyhow, we were very transparent and I'm sort of like, well, it's nice to see the government as transparent as we are, but it really shows, um, that, you know, in, in, you know, if I look at maybe how this would have happened you know, 20 years ago or with other uh, other leaders, you know, in recent memory, I don't know if we would have such transparency. So I think, you know, how we manage people, how we manage organizations uh, from, you know, as, as small as ours, and we're a large for a vet organization, upwards to a nation, I think people are realizing that transparency, uh, candor, uh, timeliness, and um, focusing on a common goal and just putting aside politics, and I mean like office politics and favoritism, mm-hmm. what have you, if you want to bring it to a micro level, is that that's not an effective way to lead uh, a group of people. No, definitely not. And, uh, you know, going back to the article that we mentioned at the beginning, we sort of got off on a tangent, which is awesome. Um, you know, one of the, the predictions that I talk about is how leadership will improve. And I, you know, I, to your point, you know, I'm um, relatively familiar with how McKee Panel runs. And I know that you've made a lot of efforts in the last 12 um, or so years to build a culture where that transparency is very important and, uh, you know, build, have strong core values and make decisions, decisions based on those core values. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, is there anything that you learned as a leader? You know, they talk in this article about how um, in the toughest times, the leaders who excel are those who communicate clearly, stay calm and strong, demonstrate empathy, think long-term and take appropriate decisive action. They talk about all of those elements 
Um, you know, but is there, and, and I, I'd say that those are things that uh, you have embraced, but is there, were there any surprises for you or is there anything um, that you might've done differently? Yeah. The only thing I would have done differently is, is start this journey earlier, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, you know, that, that, I read that line too, and I think that's very true, but I, you know, and it's, you know, it, it's, also, what's I think missing in, 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 from that aspect as it pertains to me is as a leader is is having the vulnerability and being able to say, I don't know sometimes mm-hmm. like I just don't know the answers. And so, you know, somebody asked, you know, you know, you know, you know, this is like eight weeks ago when we we're just at the start of this, like, you know, what will happen in June? I was like, I don't know. But all I can tell you is by communicating to you a lot uh, and as changes happen, you'll know as soon as I do or like mm-hmm. right afterwards. So I think it's that, you know, it's, it's that vulnerability, but it's also um, what I have learned um, the last two months being in this crisis is um, a lot of, I'm trying to think of the right phrase for this, but self-care, I don't know if that's, the, yeah, that's probably the right phrase of just, you know, um, you know, being a leader And this sounds like I'm, you know, I want lots of sympathy and pity, but that's not it. It's, it's, it's the lonely position because mm-hmm. you have a lot of decisions to make and you've, you're getting a lot of information. And, and what I'm learning now is to try to get as much information as possible and, and try to get as much data. And, you know, even if I have 10% of the data that I need, it's better than zero. And at least it's a starting point and going back and, and, and testing my assumptions. So, you know, it, starting off with that, that, you know, able to figure out from the very beginning, okay, for the next three to six months, these conditions remain the same or alter a little bit, we're fine. Okay. That, a lot of that apprehension is gone then. Um, and then you can then focus on taking care of your people and being that calm leader that, you know, can make decisive um, um, decisions based on facts um, and and not based on groupthink because that's what everybody's mm-hmm. doing. Um then, you know, that's the easy part. Um, the harder part is, is just being there and, and to be that consistent, decisive, uh, confident leader. And, but sometimes you go home and sometimes it's nine, 10 o'clock at night and, you know, you're just like, huh, the weight of it sort of is there. And that can be a bit overwhelming at times. And so that's why I think you've got to be as that leader is just, you know, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, like eat well, sleep well exercise well. One of the things that's working really well for me, and you know, I'm really grateful. I was fortunate to get a Peloton bike before Christmas. That was like my Christmas gift to myself. And that's been just fantastic right now. Every day, I, you know, it's sort of a, a break in my day and I, I get on it for an hour and just sweat and, you know, and, and it just gets my mind somewhere else, keeps mm-hmm. my energy level up. And I think that's helping me be a better uh, leader and being more available uh, just by being clearing my mind and being a healthier person. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And uh, do you think that sort of when things go back to quote unquote normal, as in you can leave the house and <laughs> and travel to your clinics, uh, do you think you'll you'll be able to keep that balance or is that a goal of yours to be able to keep that sort of um, that reflective time that you've carved out for yourself for yourself on the saddle? 
You know what? Absolutely. You know, the one thing that I, I do miss is, so on one hand, you, you spend more time driving around to visit practices and, and people, and that's really important. And as a leader, that's, you know, that's part of the job description. Um, and I, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, and I don't do that as much mm-hmm. anymore. So I actually have more time in the day. But I think, you know, I, I, I will have to alter when I exercise, but the benefit that I have seen it make on me in terms of how it's cleared my mind and gives me a, a more stable base to make decisions, uh, I cannot not do it anymore. It's, and you know, that's one of these advantages you look for the silver linings of this pandemic is, you know, is, is to get into this habit that if I go more than a day without doing exercise, I get very antsy. So yeah. <laughs> And you, as I know, as a runner, and my wife's a runner too, uh, the partner in our business. And you know, you get that you get that endorphin need that you you have to have it every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I have it now. Yeah, it's definitely you know uh, people talk about that you know exercise as a bomb or as a place to help you clear your mind or get you ready for the day. And uh, it's really true. Like it's you know it's not like we're all trying to go to the Olympics, but we're all trying to sort of. Um, you know, stay in our, our head and, and keep things really um, balanced for ourselves. And I think exercise or some kind of movement is certainly really important. But, you know, you need exercise is great. Your body needs to be healthy. You, you know, your immune system's up, you better ability to combat any kind of infections, virus that helps too. The other thing is just your mind needs to rest and do something else. If it's mm-hmm. just immersed in the business and what's the challenge is, is you get lost into your own little wormhole. And then sometimes it's hard to tell what's up and what's down. And I think when we get so focused and it, it, we're so consumed by something, um, sometimes we're more effective by spending less time on it and, and you know, going to it leaving it, do something else, think about it, come back to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I I have found the other thing too, and it's funny, when I was doing my MBA, I had a a really great professor. Um, He said something very early on, and that is as a business owner, regardless of the size of your business or a business leader, your job is to spend 10% of your time just thinking about the business. Not doing, just thinking. You got to think about your strategy, thinking about where you're going, thinking about your people, thinking about the decisions that you've made. You just need time to think. And I've always, and I thought, yeah, you're right. You know, when you do have that time, that uninterrupted time, just, you know, that's where your best ideas come from. And I have lost that. We all lose it. We get busy and, you know, and then instead of driving to a practice and, and maybe not turning the radio on and just maybe taking an hour and just contemplate and think, you know, you put the podcast on or you put Sirius on and you're just, you know, enjoying some music or what have you. But I find now to, you know, with being at home more, having more time to think, you know, I try to get outside just to get, you know, it's spring now, it's nice weather. So I want to get outside. So I try to go for a walk every day too. And, and that's when I just try to think, and I've been coming up with some pretty good ideas. I think they're good ideas. I will tell, <laughs> but just things that I, you know, I think that are going to be helpful for Oculus, but for my own business. And I just also, you know, it's just, um, time is, is really a focus now. And I know when we, we talk to a lot of vets and we, we do little surveys with them. And I think time is something that most vets come up with saying they need more of it. And I, you know, because we do have a limited amount of time in the day, but I just find having the, taking the time, uh, realizing the importance of that time 
to think uh, about the business priceless. And so I think those are two things I'm taking away from uh, this pandemic is one is exercise continuously every day dedicated. Uh, and two is just to, is to just stop and think, go for a walk, um, you know, read a magazine on, on, on business or something like that. But you know, it's, that's not idle luxury time. That's, that's, you're making some big time decisions mm-hmm. and you're removing yourself from the day to day to have a bit of a more holistic view of what your business should be. And I, and I think now as we're transitioning out of the COVID or this phase of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we've got to look at what our businesses are going to be like, you know, the, the, you know, the adoption of telehealth, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the, a lot of industries are going to be disrupted. We have no idea of the damage to the economy. We know it's bad. We don't know what, how that's going to affect people spending on their animals. Um, there's a lot of things that will change. A lot of things will stay the same. I think there's a lot of hyperbole about how the world will be absolutely transformed. I think people are people and um, we will re- return to what we like to do. Um, but yeah, for the next bit of a while, it's going to be different. And so this is the time where, you know, you as a business leader, you've got to spend the time to think about your business because it won't be the same for the next little bit. And we got to think about how we can best adopt our circumstances to meet it. Yeah, I, th- I don't know that I could have put it any better than that. Um, you know, the article that we mentioned talks about, you know, innovation flourishing out of crisis and having, you know, connections that you might not have thought were going to happen between you and other companies um, coming to the forefront. And I think, uh, you know, after the initial, what are we going to do right now? I think thinking about those possibilities is really um, dare I say it, a little bit energizing. Uh, you know, I mean, the stress is still there about the uncertainty, but really opens you up or it forces you to think of other connections or other ways of doing business. You know, even for us as Oculus, uh, we travel a lot on airplanes um, into other countries, and that's going to be severely restricted in the next few months. So what are we going to do and how are we going to adapt um, what we're doing so that we can still, uh, you know, be effective and, and still deliver that value for our clients, but not actually be there. Uh, and I think that that's a, an interesting challenge for us to, to work with. And we've already had some excellent ideas. Um, but, uh, you know, we kind of talk about it until it really pushes you and you have to do it. We don't necessarily spend the time on, on thinking about those different ways of doing things. Absolutely. You know, it's funny that you said something about just now about, you know, having these thoughts is energizing. And it just, it brought me back to the beginning of our conversation in terms of how uh, people really adapt well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, maybe I'm the kind of person, the glass is always half full, but you're in the situation and it's like, all right, our world has changed. How do we make it better? That's, that's what we got to focus on. And that's probably part of our human nature. That's why we have kept on moving on and moving on in, 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 in spite of horrible tra- tragedies that have happened in the past. But we just always are thinking, all right, we got to move on. We got to make this better. And so I think that's where we're at right now. Definitely. And certainly those of us who are um, not as comfortable with change have has sort of had a baptism by fire, a trial by fire here and have to uh, are forced to adapt. And I think at the end, see, it's, it's really helpful to be able to see that, you know, we've survived and change is okay. Uh, and change is vital in order to keep moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, one of the things I do, I feel bad for, and that is, you know, the millennials and, and generation Z or Z, um, 
I mean, they've had to deal with the Great Recession 12 years ago. Now they're dealing with this. They're getting buffeted pretty hard. And it's going to be interesting of how this generation, you know, will respond to it because these have happened at really young ages. And, you know, maybe the Great Recession, depending on their age, didn't affect them directly, more of their family, parents, like what? But it has to have an impact. And so, um, you know, I think, though, again, this is as a leader, you're thinking about things like that and you're going, okay, well, how am I going to have to, how will, what will be the needs of our staff when this is over? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, everybody acknowledges it's different circumstances and, and everybody is saying, okay, well, we're going to put up with this because we have to, we have no other choices. But when the dust settles and our new normal, whether that's a year or two years from now, I, I, you know, this, as you brought up this article, our workplaces will be different. And I think what people's expectations, you know, will be different. Um, I was listening to, I got a chance to listen to a bit of a podcast yesterday and we were just, they were talking about how, you know, great um, disruptions in society, usually it's the wars or depression, um, you know, brings about just fundamentally huge change, uh, new initiatives. And so when I look at this and I think, wow, I mean, it's, you know, after this is over, it's going to change our workforce. We're so disrupted right now. Most of, many of us are working remotely, you know, the interactions we have with people. I mean, we all know what we're having to do differently right now and how much of that will be permanent, but how much of that will alter just how we deal with each other, how we deal with our customers, but how we deal with each other within an organization. I'm still figuring it out. I think once we get out of this, you know, economic downturn, whether it's going to be a year or two years, you know, I think short-sighted person would say, you know what, everybody needs a job. They're lucky they have a job. I can do what I want with them. I, you know, I don't have to be so accommodating. The longer view is, well, yeah, but as soon as the economy turns to the positive, they're going to bolt to mm-hmm. go to somewhere better. Um, and I think that this, you know, when you see how this affects everybody, I think this is, um, I think this is going to force society and within, you know, the workplace to be a bit more democratic, collaborative. You know, we've seen the influence that we said earlier of our, of our government leaders, business leaders. And I think that is going to be the new normal, the new expectation. Mm -hmm. I think the command and control and you do what I tell you. Is, is, and, and I'm not going to share anything with you. I'm not going to be as transparent. I don't think we can survive like that anymore. No, I think that's a great point. You know, people have long memories for this type, for how they were treated in times of crisis. Uh, and, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what happens once uh, things get back to normal. And, and if there is movement of employees or, you know, those, those changes in organizations that might have uh, had a more hierarchical top down um, mushroom employee type uh, mindset, uh, and we'll see what happens. Mike, do you have any other uh, final thoughts for us? I always have final thoughts. <laughs> Never a shortage of opinions, whether good or bad. No, I just, you know what? I'm, I'm, it's interesting. You're asking questions, and it's, it's, it's allowing me to actually try to structure a lot of the thoughts that I've had, uh, you know, just collecting over the last couple of months, because this is on one hand, I'm kind of like, Oh man, I didn't want to have to go through this. Nobody wants to go through this. But on the other hand, I'm like, wow. You know, as you said, 
now these are maybe the impetus is doing the things that we thought we wanted to do or yes. you know it's it's sort of accelerating a lot or at the same time it's also solidifying other things that are important like you know you hear all these stories of people like working from home and having more time with family and i think that's another thing that's going to stick with us too because honestly the fact that i you know i'm diamond medallion on delta i mean i fly a lot you know and i haven't flown in two months now I'm okay with that. I'm really enjoying being at home. And so I think, you know, what I think the biggest thing that's coming out of this, and it's just forcing us, me to slow down, not take for granted things that we have, uh, enjoy home, enjoy um, family, enjoy loved ones, uh, and get to know ourselves better and take care of ourselves better. And those are really good things. And so I think um, I, that's something that I'm, I want to keep working on. I think that's a great, uh, a great way to end this podcast, you know, thinking about time and how we spend our time and do we need to fill every minute of every day with something that's quote unquote productive or can we just sit, can we just be with our families? Can we just be outside, you know, um, just in, in quiet contemplation, uh, you know, what's important. Yeah. It's, you know, it's almost uh we, we look at, you know, we spend a lot of time in the Netherlands because, you know, one of our partners in Oculus, Jope, is based out of there. And so that's, you know, for a while I was spending five, six weeks a year in, in the Netherlands. And I was reading an article about Amsterdam, and that's a city that's really suffering from over tourism. And because of all the shut lockdowns and restricted travel, and people are saying this is back to like it was in the 70s or 80s before it became a tourist hotspot. And people are rediscovering neighborhoods and it's for themselves now. And I think it's, so we're seeing it on a, on a, on a personal level, we're seeing it on a, you know, national and a civic level. And I think, boy, if we don't, if we come out of this and we resume our frenzied lifestyle, like we did before, shame on us. And so to me, it's just like, all right, wow, this is sort of a a stop. I'm enjoying a lot of these things and and I want to keep on that way. Absolutely. That's great. Thanks so much, Mike, for, uh, being uh, subject to a table turn this morning and have me interview you. It's been really fun. Yeah, it's been really great. Uh, Let's do this again. Thanks. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success.